Welcome back to another episode of Create Space, a podcast that finds joy in the art of storytelling. Today, I have a really exciting interview, and it's actually an interview that I recorded over the summer, and then life happened, (laughs) and I never did quite get it edited. So here we are, and it's November. But you know what? It's still totally worth it, and I'm super excited to share it with you. Um, It's just one of those things where, you know, the longer you wait, the better it becomes, right? So today we're talking to Jeanette Mundy, and she is an ontological coach, which I'll explain to you, uh, or actually she will explain to you what that means once we get into the interview. But Jeanette is an ontological coach, and she is all the way from Brisbane, Australia. So we did a virtual interview. We got our time zones kind of all matched up as best we could. And uh, I, you know, happened upon Jeanette in a uh, social media group that was for podcast hosts and podcast guests. And we just connected and it was really, really cool. Um, So I know you're going to love this interview. It's really interesting. It's not something that I had ever known or heard anything about really until meeting Jeanette. Um, And it's just wildly interesting and very inspiring. And Jeanette is just this refreshing, effervescent personality. Um, So let's jump into it. All right. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce you all today to Jeanette Mundy. Jeanette, thank you so much for being with us on Create Space today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this um, interview with you today. Absolutely. I, I am thrilled. You know, we just kind of connected sort of randomly in a social media group for podcast guests. And um, I see a lot of people posting in those groups about, you know, I want to be a guest or I need guests. And occasionally you just hit someone and you see someone's profile and you go, oh, wow. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And for me, that's what it was when I saw your um, your post that you had made. I kind of looked at what you did and I went, whoa, this would be a really, really cool collaboration. So, you know, I know that you're from Brisbane, Australia, so I appreciate that you're willing to connect with a Midwestern United States are here. And uh, I have a lot of things that I'm eager to talk to you about. But just as a starter, would you mind telling us just a little bit about who you are and kind of the highlight reel of what it is that you do? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so essentially, I support humans to lead themselves, be leaders in their relationships, and then lead an impact in whatever way that they want to lead. It's very exciting to me when I see somebody to live out their potential, but not only to live out their potential, but to also feel as though they've got the autonomy to choose and the freedom that they want in life. And so that's that's where I come from. That's kind of the paradigm that I come from. And I call myself a transformational leadership coach. Um, I particularly specialize in working with women, although I do work with some men. Um, but really what I believe in is that women can transform themselves in a way, in a way that they can finally believe in themselves and finally trust themselves and their identity and who they are because I do think that a lot of women have have taken on narratives in society that tell them that they have to be a certain way and they have to look good and have to do X, Y, Z. And in that process, they lose who they are at their essence, their uniqueness. And so um, I'm on a mission to expanding women and who they are in the world. I love that. And as I was reading through some of your materials on your website, something that I noticed and something that you repeated just now is that the core of your coaching has to do with helping people to trust themselves. And I feel like we used to see guidance or life advice or coaching or what have you that told us what to do, that said, these are the things to be successful, do step one, step two, step three. And that is still out there, but I think there is a more intentional shift towards saying you have the power within you. Is is that a big part of, of what you do? Is a lot of it kind of just convincing people that they can trust themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing the thing that we see in the world quite often is that that there are people teaching us how to how to do things. And so they give us strategies and tips and ideas on how to do X, Y, Z, put our business together, how we can structure our life, how we can, 
oh, my gosh, and there's so many how-tos, but there's no be, how we can be with ourselves and how we can be, how we can relate to ourselves. Right. That's the paradigm that I come from is, look, let's just, let's start with you first. Let's peel back the layers. Let's get under the hood of what's actually driving your actions and your behaviours and then your accomplishments. So instead of saying, oh, I need to have this and I need to do, do this, you look at yourself from the inside out and you recognise, you get to that. What I really love to support people with is to getting to that core of themselves, that that uniqueness that they have. We don't even know where that comes from, but we know it's there. And the, the one thing I really wanted to ask you about, because it's a word I had literally never heard of until I read your bio, is the concept of ontological coaching. So can you kind of explain what ontological coaching is and maybe how that differs from other types of life coaches that we might see or other types of certifications that are out there? Hmm. Yeah, really nice. Have you ever really, let me start with this. Have you ever considered yourself and the relationship you have with you and where that evolved from? Mm. I suppose I've considered it. Uh, I don't know that I could really say what it is, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, I think I've done enough therapy. I've sort of considered my relationship with myself, but uh, not more in an abstract way as opposed to a tangible way, maybe. And and so ontological coaching is that is that real looking at your historical existence, your the way you have carried yourself through life, the experiences that you've had and the meaning that you've made of all those experiences. So it's looking at your being, not just your Mm -hmm. being in this moment right now, but your being as as in your existence. So what we want to look at is the not only that you have a real essence to you that nobody else has, but we also want to look at what has brought you here to this spot right now. So we're studying your being. It's a philosophical approach rather than um, rather than a, um, a approach of you know mindset and looking at shifting something in your mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. So would it be fair to say then, just to make sure I'm understanding it correctly, that it's kind of focusing heavily on the why? as to like why you think a certain way or or what has happened to make you think a certain way? Is that kind of the right direction? That is definitely an aspect of it, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the historical narratives, the things that have shaped you over your lifetime, um, how, you know, and who you believe you are. So it's a transformational, it goes beyond, it's the meaning you make and how you carry that meaning through life. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because yeah. we, I mean, we apply meaning to everything. And so an action or something that occurs could have an entirely different meaning based on four different people who saw the exact same thing. But the meaning that we apply to it is really what's the most important. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's deep transformational work. So it sheds light for you. It sheds light for you on those deeper aspects of yourself that are fundamental to how you're actually participating in life. That's so cool. I mean, it's it's almost difficult to like wrap my brain around, but I mm-hmm. it sounds really fascinating. And something that you had mentioned prior to our interview was that a part of this coaching uh, program or certification that you have, that there are 31 distinct aspects of being. So I'm not going to ask you to list all 31 of them, but could you explain what that means exactly to be an aspect of being and maybe just give us a couple of examples of what those are? Yeah, I'd love to. So first start, I've done two qualifications in ontology. So oh, okay. my first one was way back in 2013. It was called a graduate diploma of ontological coaching in a company here called Newfield Institute. And then now in the last few years, I've embarked on in Genesis, um, which is a transformational website and founded by Ashkan Tashfir, who has developed this being profile. And what that profile has is 31 aspects of being. And those aspects are fundamental to who we are. And so they're primal. Many of them are so primal to us, like fear and anxiety, like vulnerability, um, authenticity, 
and even courage and assertiveness. If we can access how we're having a relationship with those aspects of being, and then we can look at shifting our relationship with them because we can't remove them because they're so primal to us. We can't remove fear. We can't remove anxiety. Everybody's going to experience those, but it's actually not to, the intention really isn't to remove them and push them away because if, when we do that, that's when we run into problems. That's when we run into a, a fight with ourselves because we're trying to push something away that, that is telling us that there's something here to listen to. Right. It's important for us to know what's going on here with that. What is it that we're anticipating into the future? What is it that we're trying to guard ourselves or armour up, as Brene Brown would say? What are we armouring up against? Yes, I love Brene Brown. Yeah, so do I. I love her work. It's brilliant. And yes. so she is talking about the aspects of being are saying that you have a relationship with each one of these aspects of being. And what we want to do is not remove them but polish your relationship with them so that you can fundamentally go out into the world and be more effective, be better leaders, be better in your relationships, have more satisfaction, feel that you can be the self-expression of your uniqueness and who you are. Let's get to that core of who you are. Right. So really that, you know, to go back to what you were saying a moment ago, it's when you're figuring out your relationship with these different aspects, it's really figuring out the meaning that you have applied to each aspect and or the history and the context that has created that meaning for you, right? Mm. The history and the context that has that has shaped your relationship with that aspect of being. So let me ah, give, right. yeah, let me give you an ex- example for a minute. So for me, we're going to talk about authenticity. Okay, so all through my life, people saw me as a person who was confident, who was a leader, who was um, somebody who was you know great at communicating. They had all these people would just say great things about me. But as a, as a teenager, I didn't finish school. I was told that I was stupid over and over. And I carried this message about myself all through my life. So it didn't matter how successful I looked on the outside, I wasn't seeing myself in that way. I was seeing myself as somewhat always never quite meeting the mark. The expectations right. were really large. <laughs> and yeah. So I felt like I was paddling underwater so fast a lot of the time, even though people saw me as totally different to that. And so, you know, things like an example I'll give you is when I first did my ontological coaching, I walked into the room, into the conference room for the first time and scanned the room for the safest person to to talk to. And I went, oh, okay, I think she's the safest and went over to this woman who I then became very good friends with. But what that did was it closed down my opportunities to get to know other people at a deeper level. And while right. I didn't get to know them over that 18 months, I shut something down because I was feeling inadequate, so inadequate. And people yeah. didn't see me that way. They, they thought that I was so different to that. But it wasn't until I started peeling, I was ex- expected to peel back some of the layers within that 18 months that I started to, all of that, that, um, inner experience started to come out in freezing moments of freezing and moments of trying to guard myself and moments of realization where I all of a sudden said to myself one day, oh, I don't have a body below my neck. Where's my body? I can't feel my body. I, ca- I can't, I don't know what's going on for me. So what I was saying that I was meaning that I think I've shut myself down mm-hmm. in life and and I am not who I was showing people I was. Right. I had to go on this journey of learning about who I am at my essence and then absolutely acknowledging, owning, accepting that person that I am and being able to be with that story of being stupid, being able to be with it rather than actually living it and letting it affect me and drive me okay, yeah, it might still be there in the background because it happened in an experience, but right. how am I going to be with that? And that's, yeah. changed. that's changed, like massively changed. I like that phrasing too of not 
getting rid of the experience, not negating it, not um, making it seem like it was less traumatic than it was, but just being with it and recognizing that it's there, but you don't have to, um, you know, make decisions based on that. You don't have to have it be a part of your everyday life. I think that's a really interesting way to, to describe that. Mm. So let's talk a little bit more about, you mentioned the uh, partnership that you have with InGenesis, the InGenesis platform. Could you, you explained a little bit about, about what it is, that it's based on the, on ontology and that it does involve the being profile. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that and then about what your partnership is with them? Mm, yeah, sure. So InGenesis is like an ecosystem. And so what they want to create at InGenesis is a platform where there are partners, their partnerships, so coaches who can come along and and become being profile practitioners and then go on to doing the Thrive Coach training. We've got a coaching academy at InGenesis okay. where there's Thrive Coach training. So I'm a Thrive Coach as well. And um, we're writing a community book at the moment. And so the intention is to gather, have a place for transformation where all kinds of people from across the globe can come and if they're already coaches or become coaches and become practitioners and actually shine the light on different um, aspects of the world that they experience. So there could be, so for example, we've got a, a male coach uh, who works with vulnerability with men. We've got another male coach who works with disabilities. We've got me who likes to focus on the work with um, women, but also I've done a lot of organisational work. So we've got organisational trainers and people who are in the tech industry and all kinds of people from all walks of life. So that's in Genesis in a snapshot is like an ecosystem for let's let's create some transformation across the world. That's so interesting. And and you mentioned your uh, co-authoring a, a community book with them. And you said your chapter is going to be focused on women. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Do you, um, is there a timeline in terms of when that book might become available or um, have they talked about that yet? Yes, we're, we're in the process of writing now, which is very exciting. So hopefully yeah. this year, that book will become available. And if it's not the end of this year, it'll be just early in the beginning of next year. So it's very exciting. Of course, there's a lot to pull together because there's lots of people writing and you can imagine the logistics of that. Yes, uh, yes. But it's very exciting. And Ashcan himself has written two books. He's written um, Being, The Source of Power, and Human Being. And he's now writing another book, which is in the context of coach, coachee. So he's actually writing it from the perspective of a conversation between a coach and a coachee. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the whole thing would be like dialogue based, essentially? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. He's got a, quite a few platform partners. So I'm one of the platform partners. And so we write articles, we've got uh, workshops that we will be delivering. So I've started delivering my workshops and also my one of my real missions in life with this partnership is to spread this being profile globally, is to actually bring the being profile into a global audience because I believe in it so much. I believe that it can make a big difference in people's lives. So how did, I mean, you've mentioned a couple stories, you know, in your life about why this, this transformational leadership is so important, but if you could pick a moment or, or a catalyst, um, I know you said your first training, I believe was in 2013, what drove you to make this your career? What, what was the catalyst for your passion? Mm, love this. Okay. I was a teenager and I was teaching swimming. So my early years were in teaching swimming and then supervising, managing, and then I owned my own swim school. So I've got a business background, but let's go back to when I was a teenager and I was first teaching swimming to these two little boys who came with a school group and they'd both been terribly abused. It was awful. One of them had been hit over the head with a spanner. The other one had witnessed some terrible atrocities and was very frightened of blood. And he dove into the pool and hit his lip on the bottom of the pool. So he dove in. He wasn't supposed to, but he dove in and, and then hit his lip. So his lip was bleeding a little bit and he went and was in the change rooms rocking back and forward in the, underneath the, the seat. And, oh, just, oh, God, 
you know, I know. And I was there thinking about those two little boys and thinking, what on earth is going on in the world? Why is it that these fathers are abusing their the women in their lives and then subsequently the children what is leading them to there what is it that women are not seeing in themselves that they're in these relationships what is it that they that somehow they're attracted in that way and I was only a teenager and I was thinking all these things and how is it going to be in the future for our world for these two little boys who could end up going into a life of crime or abusing themselves. And so I was mapping all this out in my teenage brain, wondering Mm. about the world. And then I never let that go. I thought, I'm going to do something about this one day. I'm going to do something. And so through my 27 years of teaching experience, teaching teachers to to be great swimming teachers, teaching and coaching parents to help their child be with their fear, to to not feel the shame around fear, to accept it that this is a part of the learning process and to know that learning comes from within, from your being, and so we've got to shift the child's way of being, even though I didn't have that language back then. That's what I was essentially saying. Mm -hmm. And, And I went, I just kept doing that and kept thinking, wow, what if I was to be able to work with women? Anyway, I, I finished, um, I'd sold my swim school. It was very successful. And I went, you know what, I've had enough of this. I landed in organisational work as a, as a learning and development uh, manager and was developing programs, developing assessments, auditing, teaching trainers how to be great ta- trainers, teaching them all how learning occurs in someone and also coaching them to be, to communicate better with their their trainers, et cetera, and their students. It just landed it. It just happened. And then I went and consulted back and did a lot of stakeholder engagement and so forth. And so all that time I was working with people's way of being. And, right. And I get to, so I get to this point and I go, right, enough's enough. I'm going to do this. So I went and did a counselling qualification and thought, oh, that isn't enough. There's something missing from that. So I searched out and found this ontological. I've got a coach myself, actually, and she pointed me in this direction to ontological coaching. As soon as I read it, I went, oh, that's the missing bit. That's the thing that's going to really make a difference in people's lives, not just within themselves, but also within the relationships that they have. And this can change the world. Wow, what a cool thread. I mean, you really can see the thread woven all the way from your teenage years, which really kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is the connection between the mind and the body. Um, You talk a lot about that in your work. And earlier you were mentioning how you said, like, I don't have a body below my head, that you felt like you were completely disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting because I think it's something that, that I've experienced that I think as a child and early young adult, I considered the mind and the body to be two very different things. And I considered a mental illness to be very, very different from a physical illness. And the two did not affect each other or impact each other or anything. And so I find it interesting that you moved from this very physical uh, career of swimming and teaching people to trust their bodies to keep them afloat. And then you have moved into this. So can you tell us a little bit about the mind-body connection and how that is portrayed in the work that you do? Mm. I love that you've picked up on that distinction by how I was helping people to trust their bodies because I think that that ended up being such a natural thing for me. Right. Yeah, when I went into coaching, I had spent all those years helping people to be with their bodies. And so when I did my first ontological coach training through Alan Seiler at Newfield Institute, he looked at language, emotions and bodies and the interrelationship between those three spheres of existence and saying, well, we are experiencing all of our all of our experiences through language that have occurred over the years through language and emotions have been experienced in and through our bodies. We can't not because we've we've got a nervous system, we've got a brain, we're taking everything on and in. And obviously there's been a lot of research done around the brain in the gut and the connection and those sorts of things, which I am not qualified in. But what I do know is that we 
uh, unless we can learn to be in our bodies in a way that's, um, how could I say it, um, that we experience our body in, in, in a way that we can trust ourselves. That's the work that I do is, is supporting people to actually go within. And so sometimes I will talk with a client through their body and wow. yeah, and, and supporting them to um, communicate in their body and what's actually going on for them. What are the colours they're experiencing? What are the, what's the size? What's the shape of this experience for them? How do they, oh, yeah, yeah, how are they experiencing that? What, if, was it, what is it saying to them? And so while that's not the only aspect of the work I do and that's not the work of the being profiles, as so to speak, I do bring that into my work and, and I will continue to do that because I believe that the body is an absolute beautiful vehicle and access to who and how you're being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. I mean, when I think about it, the whole swimming, like it's really a beautiful metaphor in and of itself in like when you're swimming and you're not trusting yourself and you're tense and you're flailing or, or whatever you're sinking. Right. But if you can, I remember being a child and trying to back float and like bending at the waist and, and tensing. And they would say, relax, like stretch backward, relax. And the second that you could relax and trust that you would float, that was yeah. the only point in which you could. So that is really yeah. What an intri- what a cool connection. Oh, it gives me chills a little bit to think about. That's so cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It's and and I think one of the things for me was actually owning that. Owning that connection and saying to myself, and it took me a long time to own it because I was thinking, oh, swimming was back there. Oh, it was, you know, something different. Oh, it was my that's my history. I don't do that anymore. But right. then, I started to think, yes, you do. You do that every single day <laughs> in the work you do. You yeah. have to be with themselves and they can't, they're not, their body is not separate to how they're being with themselves. It's like, you know, um, even if somebody's getting up on stage and speaking, they have to be in their body to do that. They carry themselves into that speaking gig. They carry themselves into that meeting. Even into the conversation they have in their relationships, how they ask make make requests, how they express what's important to them, how they can um, how they can you know experience their emotions and allow their emotions to come and be with their emotions and be there with their moods. Everything, if you can really tune in, it's there for you to listen to. Now there are uh, a couple of specific works that that you have uh, created that I'd like to talk about. I know you are working on writing the book within Genesis right now, but you've also written uh, a few other books, I believe. The one that I was looking at that just jumped out at me was the Power in Your Pocket uh, book. And so I wanted, it, it was you and I believe a, another person, right? You co-authored it. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. So tell us about that. Tell us kind of who the book was written for, where it came from, um, and who would benefit from reading it. Yeah. Okay. So power in your pocket was, I I went into one day, I I was in this Facebook group and I posed this question in this Facebook group that said, women have to be everything to everyone. What do you think about that? And the thread went for 24 hours. Whoa. Yeah. And there was women coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, that we really suffer around this and, oh, you know, all this sort of stuff. And this one person stayed in the thread with me for a long time and that was Laura, my co-author, Laura LaLeva. And so at that point we formed a friendship and we started talking on Zoom. We live in different states and we said, look, we've got to do something around this. We have to be able to get out there and talk about this notion that women believe that they are subordinate and that they have to be everything to everybody else and that they haven't got a place in, in the world. And so we wrote Power in Your Pocket because we it was a metaphor of the suffragettes who didn't who went out and decided that they wanted to fight for the right to vote. And that happened at different times in the world. But right. really essentially there was at one point there were women who didn't have pockets in any of their clothing. And the reason was because pocket because clothing was made by men and pockets were not sewn into clothing because men had pockets and they carried important things. Right. <laughs> so- Absolutely. So we went, okay, well, look, let's let's call it power in your pocket because these women then went and sewed pockets in their clothing so they could carry their 
um, pamphlets, their leaflets that were, you know, advocating for voting for wow. women. And so we thought, let's call it that. And then the subheading is detox from good girl syndrome. Because so, so really what we're saying is, look, there's a way for you to understand that you have, that there is a history here, that you, you, you're coming from a very gendered history as men are, okay, but we're speaking specifically to women who are coming from this gendered history and we want you to, to get that you're, you're born of that history but you don't have to be um, a slave to that history, that you can actually put the power in your own pocket and go off in life and, and do the things that you want to do and then recognise and identify that there is a history here and right. for you to be really conscious about how that history is still playing out in your life now today. Yeah. We may have been born without pockets but we can sew them in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. For any woman who feels like she's an imposter, feels like has self doubt, um, whether she's in a whether she's a stay at home mum and doubting her parenting skills, or doubting whether she's a, in an organisation as a leader and doubting her leadership abilities, or she wants to go into business for herself, or she wants to create a social impact movement. It doesn't matter. All women have something that they desire to leave a legacy in, and so. Mm-hmm. They don't want to people please. They don't want to procrastinate on their desires and dreams, but they, but many are. And so that's it's for that woman. It's for every woman. It's for women who have experienced trauma um, and very traumatic experiences like a, a, you have been abused or, have, you know, have had trauma of all kinds to realise that, okay, yes, it's there and, yes, you can still be autonomous, you can still choose and you can still live your life in the wonderful way that you that you want to. So it was interesting because when I wrote it back in 2019 when it was when we um, published it, we uh, I've since then I've come to be in the community of the the Genesis community and haven't got anything in there about the being profile mm-hmm. or the discourse, but we're going to that's okay because that's coming out in these in these next books. So the first one is the community one and then I'll be writing one with Ashcan himself. Wow. Fully fledged book around women. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'll be looking so forward to that. That is, I mean, Power in Your Pocket is definitely on my reading list now. So I'll I'll be looking forward to those other uh those other books. And and speaking of women and the fact that you have really found uh your niche and your passion in working with women and seeing because of history and society that we have kind of a unique set of circumstances that we've been born into. Um, I understand you also have a leadership workshop for women called Leading from Within. So can you tell us, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not out yet, correct? Is this a workshop you're working on or does it already exist? Okay, so this one is just being released now. So I've got a few dates for this one. And yeah, so it's lead from within. So we, I want to, what I want to be able to do is support women to understand that doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, where, who you are, where you're coming from, you can be the leader in your own life. And once you know how to be the leader in your own life, you're going to be much better at leading in your relationships and then leading others. Okay. And so if somebody, you know, listening were to want to get involved with that, um, would, could they get plugged in? And if so, how would they do that? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They can register for one of the dates that are that's up on the InGenesis website. So I think okay. if I haven't given you the link to that, I'll, I can give you the link to that. They can definitely register for that. And I'd love to see anyone there who is, is, has any sort of interest or fascination with, with being a leader. And so sometimes w- women or humans in general don't relate to the word leadership. They don't relate to themselves as leaders. Mm-hmm. But I really debunk that because I think that we all are. I think in some ways we're, we're leading something in our life. Yes. So even if you're just a little bit intrigued, come along and see. Yeah, I think I, uh, in my past, have definitely pushed back a little bit against that word leader because to me it felt synonymous with, you know, boss or, or you know, manager or something about being in charge of other people. And that's not something I really wanted to do uh, or didn't think that I did. And then when you can take what leadership really means as a whole, you know, it's so much different than that. But you're right. I think a lot of us women have that 
almost on a subconscious level, like, well, oh, I couldn't be a leader. Oh, that's not me though. That's so-and-so, or that's, you know, so I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is something that many of us struggle a little bit with. And you said that you also have a group program that Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, this workshop might leads a woman into the group program. And I can't wait to hear about it because the title is the butterfly effect, which is just like the best title. I mean, I was intrigued from the second I read that. So what is the butterfly effect? What do you hope to do in that group coaching program? So I've run that a few times before, actually, and I'm re reintroducing it with some of this work that I've, this current work that I'm doing. So okay. I'm automating both the works into this workshop. So it should be really fascinating. I'm really quite excited. So essentially the butterfly effect is for women who um, want to really, it's exactly everything that we've been talking about today. Yeah. It's going to support a woman to lead herself. It's going to support them to lead, be leaders in their relationships. So they will come out of that program knowing how to have more assertive conversations, know their real no's and their real yeses, ask for what they want, um, stand up and, and express themselves where it's important to them and understand who they are and what their legacy is that they would like to leave in this world. So they come out going, oh my gosh, now I know who I am. Now I know that I've been driven by all these things, but I no longer need to be. And so some of the results from that workshop that I've run in the past have been that people, people, women have been in there and they've been people pleasers and they've been saying yes to, to lots of things. One particular woman said yes to this not-for-profit organisation and she thought it was going to be the bee's knees because she was involved. But what she didn't realise was that it, she wasn't asking the right questions so that she was being left with all the dumpy work. Right? Mm. She didn't know how to get out of it. She just didn't know what to do. She she was shrinking into that role rather than actually being able to stand up and feel strong and and ask the right questions. So at the end of this program, she had stopped that role. She'd had very assertive conversations with the people who were running it, and but they were very respectful conversations as well. So assertiveness doesn't mean that you have to be aggressive, by the way, anyone who's listening out there. Right. Yeah. So we all often think that assertiveness is aggression, but it's not. There is a way yeah. to be stable in assertiveness. And so she got that. She got that ability. And now she's running her own business in a very successful way. And she's taking on what she believes is right for her, but leaving behind what she doesn't. So rather than actually saying yes, yes, yes to everything and thinking that, oh, people want me, that's great, I'm going for this. She's very, she knows what she wants now. She's become very successful. So that's, that's one example of how that workshop can change your life. Good for her. That's yeah. Yeah. She's become discerning about opportunities now. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. So this next question, I'm I'm genuinely curious to hear what you're going to say, because I really don't know in in my instinct tells me that just about all women would would benefit from the type of of coaching that you offer. Uh, And just about all of us deal with not trusting ourselves and imposter syndrome and all of that. So I guess my question is, with the women that you've worked with, do you see any threads in terms of the type of women that that come to you? Any threads uh, in terms of backgrounds or life circumstances or um, anything like that? Or is it is it literally all women? <laughs> does it does it span race and socioeconomic status and de- uh, demographics and all of that? Mm. It it's basically all women. Because, yeah. because basically all women have had experiences of being less than. Yeah. Having yeah. And, and I'm talking about leaders and organisations to, to stay-at-home mums. So right. we've all experienced that in some way. And many, so many women have been, had experiences, even if they don't identify with the name the good, good girl, good girl syndrome, in some way they have diminished themselves. And they don't even know how or why that came about. So it's it's the experience of women that we're talking about here, which is like what I was saying before, feeling like they're an imposter, feeling like they're 
um, people pleasers. They procrastinate on or leave behind their desires and dreams because they're everything to everybody else. Or they try and do everything and they do everything because they think that they should. They think that they've got to be a nurturer, a lover, blah, 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 all these things. Oh, they've got to be compassionate. And so we have these humongous expectations on ourselves as women and all women from all walks of life have these expectations. Yeah. So, so the work is for women. The work is for, and it's also really interesting because I do coach some men and I'm finding that the men also have some of these experiences, but just in a, from a different narrative lens. Ah, okay. Mm. So the narrative lens for women is that I must be quiet. I must not speak up. I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a voice. The narrative lens for women is I must be a good girl. I must look pretty. I must, we are so dipped in those narratives that it's crazy. It's crazy. It puts us in a position where we just don't know ourselves. And even if yeah. we do think we know ourselves, if there's an area in our life that isn't going well from us, I can bet you 100% that it can pinpoint back to those some of those same narratives. You know, it's it's equal parts, I suppose, heartwarming and also disheartening at the same exact time that it's something that we all share. And yet it also blows my mind that, you know, you are in Australia and you have plenty of people around you who experience this and you've experienced this and I'm across the world from you and my experience is the same. And like I said, there's some, there's some kind of cool soul connection there that it really is an all women sort of thing. But also it makes me go, man, how have we failed women so much that this is what we're trying to break out of everywhere, literally everywhere. It's, oh, it seems a little insurmountable. Do you ever feel like, I don't know, hopeless isn't the right word, but do you ever feel like we can't, we can't get out of it? Okay. I love that question. And I'll tell you why I love that question, because I think at the core of women, because of how we've grown up, because of the narratives that we live in, we tend to be resigned that this is the way things are for us. Yeah. Tend to be, and even though that resignation is quite deep within us, which you can read in the power in your pockets, deep within us, right, um, at our core because we've learned to give up or give in, right. So that I think that that if we can have a healthy level of ambition, so not so that we're saying, right, let's go out there, win at all costs, let's go out there and um, beat the world and do this and do that. I don't think that that's really all that healthy. But I think what is healthy is to say, let's give this a go and let's keep giving it a go. Yeah. So, so while I think that there is deep resignation within a lot of women, including myself, I experience that, I never let that become me. I never allow that become me because I look at the women, not only the individual women that I'm working at, but with, with, but I actually look at the potential for the world when women are going to be, you know, um, I'm not going to say, some people like to say women will lead the world. I don't agree with that. I agree that everyone has the ability to lead the world. Lead, be leaders in the world in their own mm-hmm. lives. But I think for particularly for women, if we can start shifting and start leading ourselves, we are going to create that butterfly effect in such a good way. Yes. It's going to create like a tsunami of yeah. empowered women. So that's the that's the paradigm that I come from. I've seen it in myself. I've seen the change in myself. I've seen the change in the people in my communities. I've seen the change in so many women that I've worked with. And so the hope is always there, Jessica, always there. I love that. And I can tell, I can tell you believe it. And you know what I mean? And there are some people when you're around them that you just, you feel their passion and you realize that it is a hundred percent genuine. And I feel like when I hear you talk about this work, it makes me believe it as well. Like it's just, there's a powerful energy that I feel when you talk about this and it's, it's amazing. Oh, I'm loving this. Um, So I have kind of only one more 
real question. Uh, and you've shared a couple of stories already about people that you've worked with. And I also read a lot of really, really amazing testimonials on your website of people who have worked with you. Are there any other standout moments in your career that you could share with us? I mean, I'm sure there's some privacy things, you know, with coaching, but just anything where you felt like everything kind of fell into place or a major transformation occurred? Yeah, I work with a woman and obviously can't share names, but I work with a woman once who was who her and her husband were deeply in debt with um, university fees. Uh, okay. In, in Australia, it's different because we have what we call HEX. So we don't pay for university until we go out to work and then we pay a percentage of our wage. Oh, okay. Yeah, but obviously in America, it's different. You have to pay it. It's there. Oh, yes. You to pay it and all this kind of, I go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so deeply in debt and um, she was – you could, in her body, you could tell that this this woman was out of hope, and yet she was thinking about doing what she called a side hustle. I hear that a lot in America. This side hustle, it kind of gives yep. me awful energy with inside me. Think, oh, that word hustle, that sounds awful. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Let's not hustle. Let's just be, you know. So anyway, she she was wanting to do this side hustle, but didn't know how to get out of her own way, and didn't know how to have to come. So in the six months that we worked together. She she had extremely ended up having where she wasn't talking to her husband at all about this and her concerns around the debt because she was carrying it all mm-hmm. and what she wanted in life. So she carried it silently and let him get on with what he was doing with his university and to the point where she had extremely powerful and assertive conversations with him to the point where they they set up a system where they could pay for that and they moved halfway across the country. She got her dream job. And they were off doing what they loved. Wow. It was, it was a, literally a life-changing. And she went from being back in her chair like this with me, very resigned and very, you know, into herself and not very confident at all to sitting upright and standing upright and changed her whole life. Wow. And again, the change was in her body. You could see it in her body to go back to that mind-body connection. Yeah. That's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Any anything else any other stories you'd want to share? I'm sure you've got plenty. <laughs> yeah, well, another woman who was in from Australia who works in a um an organization here in Australia was in a very unhealthy team. And she was being bullied in that team. And so she didn't know how to approach that. She just didn't know what to do. She knew that she was going to but she just needed some coaching around that. So she came to the Butterfly Effect and and by the time she'd finished the Butterfly Effect, she was setting up meetings and setting up ways in which she could do mediation. And then finally she got out of that, that team through mediation and went into a healthy team and now is leading that team. Leading, She's a leader in that team. So she's got a leading role within that team and she's now a much more powerful advocate for anyone else in her team coming behind her. Oh, yeah. And so that the team she went into was within the same company or did she have to switch companies? Same company, same, wow. yeah, same government organization, but just a different team. Yeah. I love that because like you said, it's not like she found her way by getting out. She found her way within and is now able to be an advocate within that organization or within that company. So that's even more powerful to me than leaving. (laughs) She could have just quit. She could have just said on the spot, I'm going to quit. I'm walking away from this. Right. She she stood there and faced it head on. Not only that, because she's done the being profile as well. Now, since then, she's come back and done some more coaching with me and done the being profile. And now she said she knows how to love. Really beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just, I mean, a few words there and it just means so much. Mm. Well, Jeanette, we've covered a lot of ground today. I've kept you on for about 50 minutes. Um, But is there, you know, and I've asked, I've asked so many of the things that have been just burning in my mind of wanting to talk to you about. Is there anything else that you would really love to share um, before we end this interview? Anything that we haven't covered yet? Mm. I think we've covered so much and I really appreciate, I really appreciate this interview and really appreciate your questions because. Thank you. I really do because I think that this, this, they're coming from a place of inquiry 
And, and that's really important. And that's going to that in itself is going to support women. And one thing I would say to women is go on the inquiry for yourself. Go on that inner inquiry. Give yourself that gift because you've been so used to giving gifts to everyone else in your life. But it's time. It's time women give the gift to themselves and they can do that. I like that you said that about inquiry, because for me, um, with my you know background in creative storytelling and visual media, curiosity has always been kind of a core driving force for me that when it when I approach storytelling, when I approach podcast interviews or, or anything that I've done or when I teach, I try to come from a place of genuine curiosity. And I try not to let, you know, sometimes I don't want to ask something or I'm, I think to myself, well, I should probably already know that, or it's not my place to ask that. But then when I can come back to a place of natural curiosity, things just tend to, they just tend to work out better. They just tend to be more meaningful, more true. Um, so, so I love that you use that word inquiry. So thank you. Thank you. This has been a wonderful, almost uh, just short of an hour. And I, I know I've learned a lot from you and I'm really excited to, to share it with, um, with our listeners. You know, I've had a, a few episodes that have connected in some ways to the whole imposter syndrome, trusting yourself situation, because I do think it's a really big issue specifically for creatives. Uh, you know, we have a very subjective type of art. And so I think that there are a lot of people like me, a lot of my students that I teach, a lot of other people in the industry who are looking for someone like you, who are looking for someone that can help them come back to themselves. And, and I do hope that if someone's listening and if, if they've connected with you, that they will click the links in the show notes and um, learn more about you, because I think it would be amazing. I think I think you're making magic over there, Jeanette. I think you are. <sighs> Thank you so much, Jessica. It's it's an absolute pleasure. I have just so much enjoyed this conversation today. I've just it's me been as well. Absolute buzz. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh yeah, so yeah, definitely connect in with me. I love connecting with people. So if you're out there and listening, I would love to hear from you. One more big thank you to Jeanette. I loved every second of getting to meet her, and I hope you all did as well. Uh, if you are interested, please check out her links in the show notes um, that will connect you to her website and socials and all of that good stuff. And as always, thank you so much for joining me on Create Space and I'll see you next time.